We're going to be over in Second Chronicles chapter 24 eventually. A few places to go to before that. You can either look up on the board, find them in your Bible, iPad, tablet, whatever it is that you got. Feel free to use all those things. There was a woman who accidentally glued herself to the floor in West Virginia. Joyce Stewart was her name. She sat in, a, in her bathrobe at the head of her kitchen table and was applying a liquid bandage to the back of her heel. As she sat and sipped her morning coffee, the liquid bandage dripped down and got between the bottom of her heel and the floor. When one of her children came down and was asking for something for breakfast, she got up to go and do that, and she couldn't move. So they began to work on her, and they worked on her with a knife until she started to bleed. Couldn't get it to be, uh, to be freed. So uh, paramedics were called in. They worked on her for an hour with different type of uh, solvents and things like that to try and get her free, and they finally got her free. And she was uh, set free from the, the floor. She was very embarrassed. She talked about all the people that were there at the house to take care of her, and she's in her bathrobe because <laughs> it was in the morning. She wasn't expecting anything like that to go on. Well, the uh, manufacturer did happen to mention that it can drip after you apply it, but it didn't say that it would stick you to the floor. <laughs> they were very apologetic. They tried to help her out all that they could, and they said, we'll pay for any medical problems that you have. But how many of you all know being in bondage to the floor is not a good thing? We wouldn't, we wouldn't enjoy that. We like being free. We like being able to get up from the, t- the table, chairs, whatever it is that we want to, whatever it is we need to do. But there is an appeal that seems that people have to being in bondage, to being captive. We're going to find out some things about that here today. We've been on a series about the uh, health of our heart, how pride affects that. We looked at the effects of pride. That even though we are serving God in a capacity, if we have pride, it can harden our heart. It can make us resistant to correction. And we become unteachable, unthankful, and unaccountable. Revelation will not come and will not be received or we will not overcome what is difficult or impossible. God has called us to change what cannot be changed and to overcome the impossible in our life. He does that by giving us revelation. If we're resistant to hearing, we're not going to get that revelation. We need to make sure that we we do. We looked at a whole bunch of different things on this particular topic. All those things are available up on the Internet and the website if you want to go back there and and hear those. But in James chapter 1, verse 25, it reads this way. That's not in your outline, but you can write it down if you want to. James chapter 1 and verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and, and continues in it. He who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We all like the last part of that. We want to be blessed in what we do, right? Whatever it is we do at work, at home, we want to be blessed in it. But here's the promise. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. So you not only have to look in it, you have to continue and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. We all know what a forgetful hearer is. Haven't we been a forgetful hearer at some point? We have forgotten something. We heard something. Oh, yeah, I did hear that, and we forgot it. And we didn't, uh, we didn't get it done. 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If we are facing this situation where we are not blessed in what we do, how many of y'all know we ought to come back here and check out some of these things? Am I looking into the perfect law of liberty? Am I continuing in it? Am I a forgetful hearer? Or do I remember the things that I hear? And am I a doer of the work? We walked, went over there a few weeks ago. How do we know that we love God? We keep His commandments. Do what He says. We use that song, a little clip of that song, Do You Love Me? You remember that. Put this in your outline. One who is not a forgetful hearer is one who continues. A person who is not a forgetful hearer is one who continues in it. If you stop continuing, the Word of God calls you a forgetful hearer. Sometimes we didn't forget, we just don't do it. <laughs> but the Word of God is going to call you a forgetful hearer. In Second Chronicles 24, we find a story, and we have gone over this a number of times, but this is one of those stories in the Old Testament I think we ought to go over pretty often. It is amazing how much this has occurred in our life by other people or maybe even ourselves. It is too easy to do this. We need to remember, make sure we're not a forgetful hero of it. So go back over to Second Chronicles chapter 24. You can also find this in the book of Second Kings. We're going to turn over there. John chapter 8. Let me read this for you. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is it that gets us free? It is the truth. It is not knowledge. It is the truth. Just because we hear stuff, just because we know stuff, does not mean that particular knowledge will set us free. The only knowledge that will is the truth. This is from Jesus. He said to who? The Jews who believe. This is a believer's verse. You need to be a believer. How do you know if you're a believer? Well, a believer does what? Believes. Right? A believer believes. If you are a doubter, if you doubt the Word of God, if you doubt the things that God says, you are not a believer. A believer believes. If you abide in my Word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide, not that you call on the name of Jesus, not that you know about Jesus, not that you go to church, not that you pray, if you abide in my word. That doesn't just mean you come in there every once in a while and check it out. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The only truth that can set us free is the truth that we know. How many of you talk to Christians and they know things about the Bible and you hear them and you say, oh, that's not true. But they're saying these things about the Bible. Is that truth going to help them? No, because it's not true. Just because you say something is in the Word doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to help you or that it is in the Word. We need to be a believer of the truth. How many along the course of your time of being a Christian have come to believe something that you found out later was not true? It, you thought it was true, though, and you believed it, 
but then you found out it wasn't true. Would that thing help you? It's not going to help you because what's going to set you free? Truth. So if we come into a knowledge of something that is not truth, but we accept it as truth, it's not going to help us, so therefore it's going to hinder us. How do we get free of those things? We have to come to a knowledge of the truth. Is it not a difficult thing for truth that we think is true to be exposed as false? Aren't we resistant to that a little bit? Don't we have some some problems when, when somebody says this thing to us? What do you mean? That's not, no, I believe it this way. We have a hard time accepting it. If you have pride in your heart, you will have a hard time being corrected and God cannot extract what you think is true from what is false. He can't do it. So therefore, the tr- will the truth set you free? No. Because I won't receive the truth. God would come and, and correct me on a thing and I'll say, no, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not right. You, we all came into, at some point, some of us were born into a church that taught us this. Some of us came into one later on. But we came into the truth that Jesus was our healer, not just the one who saved us. We came into a realization that Jesus was the healer, that Jesus came to set free from sins and set free from sickness and disease, right? We came into that understanding at some point. But before you came into that understanding, how many believed that sickness was from God or that God had a purpose for it? Well, God's allowing me to be sick because he wants to teach me something. I mean, come on. How many of us thought that? I was one of them. I, I thought that. I was raised up in a church, and that's what they, they taught us. My mom tells me the church I was raised in, when I was real little, before, you know, real little, you don't have any memories of those times. When I was real little, the church that we were in actually laid hands on people to get healed. But by the time I could understand the things that they were teaching, they weren't doing that anymore. Well, if it be your will, Lord, heal this person. And we thought that was truth, but that's not going to set anybody free, is it? Did Jesus ever one time pray for people that were sick? Lord, if it be your will. Did the disciples ever pray one time? Lord, if it be your will, heal this person. Never one time. And yet we do it all. Well, no, not us, but certainly you you come out of that. But if you grew up in that, as I did, how many times do we find ourselves falling back into that sometimes in our prayer? Oh, wait, ah, that's, that's not truth. Father, forgive, forgive me for that. that. That's not truth. The truth is what will set us free. So we have to keep coming back to the Word of God. Keep coming back to the Word of God so that we can, we can get this. The, um, the Word is what helps us out with this. I wanted to bring something in here that, uh, that would help me out with this, and I had it in my car. And I forgot to go back there and get it. So I'm hoping I can rely on somebody here. Does anyone have with them on their per- I, I normally would. I left it out this time. So don't think they're funny for carrying one of these. But does anybody have a knife? Let's see, my, my son, does he have a... Can I, can I borrow your knife for just a moment? So I picked up that from him. He, he always had one around. He says, hey, man, that is handy to have around. So he bought me one for Christmas. And I have it. That's a really nice one, too. <laughs> All right. See if I can... Uh, Open this up. He's got some, some ones that all of his open up differently. And um, I'm not going to get this one, so I'm going to let you open it up for me. <laughs> what I want to show you on this thing here with, with, the, with a knife is that very often we are like a knife. 
Now, a knife, when it gets used, what happens to the knife? It gets dull. Now, if you look at this, uh, you can't see it maybe from back there, but I can tell this is some really nice metal. This has got some, some uh, really, and it's really sharp. They'll, they'll cut some, they'll, they'll do a job on some things. They'll cut some things. You know, you don't carry a knife to cut people. I don't ever, I carry a knife all the time. I don't cut people. I don't use it for defense. I just carry a knife because you always run into something. I was delivering a, a bunk bed, and they had them, all the mattresses wrapped up in plastic. So what do you need to cut that stuff? You need a knife. Have you ever, have you ever un, unwrapped a mattress with that plastic that's on it? It is hard. Plastic, it, it's tough plastic. You need a knife. It's, uh, it does help out. But if this knife is with a sharpener, never see, I don't have a sharpener uh, with me, but you know, it's just a rock, and you just take this thing, and you just kind of, rub it on it, and you do it right, and you get the, the blade to be sharpened. But if the blade becomes separated from the sharpener, the blade may try and say, well, I'll just stay sharp on my own. Can the blade stay sharp on its own? It is not possible. The knife needs a sharpener in order to be, to be sharp. Now, the sharpener is not sharp at all. But you apply it correctly, and it will make this really sharp. I've uh, seen some of the sharpeners he has on, on things. You have those leather straps, don't you? Yeah, he's got those leather straps. You ever seen that? They will make a knife very sharp on that. What we need to make sure we do, this is what happens with Christians, is we become separate from the Word of God. We become separate from hearing the truth. But we still think, I will remain sharp. And you do for a while. But then you become duller and duller and duller. And we don't realize it because it's a slow process. We need to stay with the truth. Thank you for the, the use of that. We, in a, that way, are a, are a knife. The Word of God says iron sharpens iron. We help sharpen each other. The Holy Spirit comes along and helps us. The Word of God, we stay in it, and it sharpens us. It gets us ready for what we face. And we will face some things. And the truth is there to get us free. Who is it that wants to keep us bound up? The enemy does. Jesus even told the parable. You can't get into the strong man's house until you first bind the strong man. The enemy wants to come in. He wants to bind you. If he can get you bound, he can get in there and get your stuff. Get the things that uh, God wanted to bless you with. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 24. I didn't fill these out for your outline there. Pride keeps us from receiving and God from giving. Pride keeps us from receiving and God from giving. What does God do with the proud? He resists them. Does that mean he's giving them stuff? No. Pride keeps God from giving, but it also keeps me from receiving. That's not a good place to be, is it? It keeps us from making corrections. Pride will keep us from making corrections. If I don't make corrections, I don't stay on course. And thereby, we get off course. We get off course. We can't make the corrections. Second Chronicles 24, verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. You go back and you'll find the story that Jehoiada actually saved him from being killed, hid him away until the time was right, and then brought him out. He did what was 
right, the Word of God tells us that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord, he did what was right. Sometimes we do what's right in our sight. Sometimes we do what's right in other people's sight. But the Word of God says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's a good thing. All the days of Jehoiada the priest. I know of no one in the Word of God that has this example that Joash has here. All the days of Jehoiada the priest, he followed after God. So does this mean that he was not genuine? Does it mean that Joash was not a genuine believer? Well, let's take a look at the rest of the story. I put in your outline this. There's power. There's the power of good company. Keep yourself in good company. As long as Joash was in the company of Jehoiada, things were good. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Well, Jehoiada did a lot of good things. He found some, some, uh, he should have just found one wife. How many of y'all know that? But he didn't. He found two. Now, it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Does that sound like he's just doing this on the surface? He set his heart to do this. Then he gathered the priests and Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. So the king called Jehoiada the chief priest and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, the wicked woman, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. Then all the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout all Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced brought their contributions and put them into the chest until all had given. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the chief, the, to the king's official by the hand of the Levites. And when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day, gathering money in abundance. The king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. And they, made it, they made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering, spoons and vessels and gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. So Joash, when it says he set his heart to do this thing, he really went after it, even more so than Jehoiada, who was his mentor, the one who was leading him in these things. He even got on his case and said, hey, you're not working this fast enough. It doesn't sound like he's just doing this on the surface. When the Word of God says he set his heart on repairing the temple, he was in love with God, in love with his Word, and wanted to, to bring about the teaching of the Word, the sacrifices, and so forth. There were burnt offerings that were made to God all the days of Jehoiada the priest, the Word of God tells us. All the days of Jehoiada the priest. Now, if you hear that, what does that tell you? Without even reading the rest of the story. That when Jehoiada goes away, 
so will all these other things. Because the Word of God keeps very clearly telling us all the days of Jehoiada the priest. So we're, he's setting us up. He, we, we know what's coming. We've already read the story before, but we know what's coming. When Jehoiada goes, it's not going to be a good thing. Jehoiada was a great influencer. There are those people who are great influencers of others. There are also those people who are greatly influenced by others. Be careful who you are influenced by. In verse 17, But Jehoiada grew old. How many know that happens? Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. Didn't say that anything was wrong, that he shouldn't have died, or he just, he got old. He was older than Joash. He's 130 years old when he died. That's a, how many want to live to 130? I do not. That's too long. But he lived to 130 and then he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. And now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king and the king listened to them. The king listened to them. Oh, this is not good. Put in your outline, there are people around you, probably right now, who are seeking for an opportunity to come to you and get you to turn from your way. There are people that some of them have even planned against you in the past, maybe in the future, maybe even right now. How can we get them away from this? They want to get you to turn from your way. The Word of God says that the king listened to them. He listened to them. I put this in your outline. I want you to understand. get this one. This means he stopped listening to something else. Right? You, you have a difficult time listening to two things at one time. You have to take your focus and, and bring it on over. You know, sometimes if you're watching a football game and you're listening to the game, and your wife comes in to say something, or your husband if the wife is watching the football game, and your wife comes in to, to say something, and they, you have to what? Stop listening to the football game and begin to listen to your wife. But sometimes we continue to listen to the football game and pretend to listen to our wife. And you can get yourself in trouble in that. You, know, you might agree to something that you didn't know you were agreeing to. But in order to listen to one thing, you need to stop listening to something else. When Joash stopped or started, started listening to these folks, he had to stop listening to something else. He stopped listening to the words, to the instruction, to the things that Jehoiada had spoken to him. This means he stopped listening to something else and ceased to continue in what he heard from Jehoiada. He became a forgetful hearer. He heard all these things. These things had become part of him to the point that he was doing them with even more zeal than Jehoiada was. He had to stop listening to one thing, start listening to something else, but he stopped continuing in the Word of God. A verse we used last week. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health 
to all their flesh. My son, attend to my words. Continue in them. Hear them. Continue in them. Don't. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Stay with them. There, it takes an effort because people are going to try and pull you from the Word of God. The enemy is going to try and pull you from the Word of God. When we looked at the parable of the sower, we saw that the enemy comes to steal the Word. The enemy wants to come to choke the Word. The enemy wants to do something with the Word of God that is in you to get you to stop doing it. Because if he can get you to stop doing the Word, he can get you off of it. Here is a man, a king, whose very life was saved by a priest his very prosperity as a king came because of him doing what the priest said to do. And as soon as that priest is gone, he listens to the people. It says, again, that after he died, that there were people who were ready to come in and to speak to him. Verse 17, Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Now, see what's in this scripture. See what this is telling us the situation was. Were these new leaders? These were the same leaders they had when Jehoiada was priest, right? doesn't say anything about new leaders coming in. These same leaders were there, but they saw they didn't have an opportunity to turn, to turn Joash from the word of God. But when Jehoiada ceased being on this earth, they saw an opportunity and they took it. And they stepped up. But all the time that Jehoiada was alive, do you think that these leaders gave any indication that they were going to turn Joash from the Word of God? Jehoiada would have done something about it. He would have warned him. He would, he would have done something to get him to uh, be, be ready. Maybe removed him from their place. There are folks who are conforming. There are people that are going along with what seems to be in the Word of God, but as soon as they have an opportunity in your life, they are going to try and pull you from it. They're going to look for something in your life that is a handle that they can get hold of. And if you have admiration for anything over the Word of God, they will find it and they will use it. For some people, they love the Word of God, but they like things more. For some folks, we like the Word of God, but I like companionship and friendship more. For some people, love the Word of God, but I like riches and a better job more than I like the Word of God. And so people are going to come along and they begin to say, oh, well, you can have this and you can do this and you can go this way. Just come over. Just don't go to church. Don't go to that church. You don't need to do that. Just come on over here. Do these kind of things. And they get you out of the Word of God. For what purpose? Because if I can get you away from the source that keeps bringing that into your life, if I can separate for you from that, I can take you in another direction. That's exactly what happened. The source for him died. Then no one else was in his life to direct him in this way. So they came and they said these things. Verse 18, Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. 
Now, we spent a good bit of that chapter talking about how Joash was excited about rebuilding the temple. They had taken all kinds of money, all kinds of collections, brought this, did the work. They, they applied themselves for a long period of time to rebuild and to restore. And then after all that was done, they spent all kinds of money to replace all of the instruments that were being used. And then they began to use those instruments into the sacrifice of God and the worship of God. And these things were going on. And in one conversation, people turned him against it so that the very thing he put so much time into, he neglected. Doesn't that sound amazing to you? Joash did a lot more things than rebuild the temple. But what this story is is contrasting here is look at how much time he put into rebuilding the temple and look how quickly he got off of it. If you spent years and years and years rebuilding a house, would you quickly turn against that house? Burn it down? Let it be neglected? No. You have a love for that. He had a love for this thing and this quickly, people turned him against it. I think that's amazing that he would do that when you look at how much time he had put into it. Well, God doesn't just stop there. Let us go off in the wrong direction. He warns us about it. Verse 18 again, Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images. They didn't just neglect the house. They went after the wooden images, the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. Why? What is it that prevents us from listening in our heart? Pride. Pride comes in. It it came in. Prophets came and they said, don't go this way, don't do this thing, and they did not stay that way. Remember, he's a forgetful hearer. Jehoiada taught him these things. Jehoiada demonstrated these things. He saw the life in them as he lived these principles out. And then prophets came and said, Hey, look, remember these? He said, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. Well, then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. The Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He has also forsaken you. He's just informing them. You haven't listened. So God has forsaken you. This is the son of Jehoiada. Do you think that Joash has a relationship with the son of Jehoiada? Jehoiada died when he was 130 years old, so his son was no little little kid. He, he had a relationship of some type with this guy, if he had that close of a relationship with his father. And this guy gets up and proclaims this. God may be saying, all right, he hasn't listened to all these folks. Maybe the son of the man who saved him, maybe the son of the man who brought him along in the path of God, maybe he'll listen there. Verse 21. So they conspired against him. Who's they? The leaders and Joash. So they conspired against him and at the command of the king. 
they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. In the court of the house of the Lord, which they, he worked to rebuild, he stones the son of the man who helped him. Can you imagine that? That you can turn that much from it. He gave the command. They, they looked at him and said, all right, we got him here. What do we do? Go ahead and stone him. He gave the command. They may have asked, can we stone him? And he says, yeah, go ahead. Stone him. In the court of the house of the Lord, how many times do you think him and Jehoiada walked through this court? How many memories do you think that Joash has with Jehoiada in the court of the house of the Lord? And in that very court, they're stoning the son. That just amazes me. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, The Lord look on it and repay. Have you ever been hurt by friends? People that you helped? People that you did some things for? You can kind of relate to what's going on here, can't you? Wow. Killed the son of the man who helped him. This is the guy who sold out to rebuild the temple. Owed his very part of, of being there and the, being king to this man and the help that he gave him. And this is what he did. They did it at the command of the king. They stoned him. And I want you to go on to here in verse 23. And so it happened in the spring of the year. So it happened. How many times have we had things happen in our life? We've had good things. How many of you have had some good things happen? We get some testimonies. Hope you got some testimonies you're already prepping and writing down today about the things that God's doing. Good things that God's doing. If you haven't uh, written that down yet, write that down. What has God done for you this week? So it happened. Good things can happen to us. How many have ever had bad things happen to you? So it happened in the spring of the year that the army of Syria came up against him and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, but the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash and when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest. Now there it says sons, and killed him on his bed. So, di so he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the king. So it happened that Syria comes to Israel, or comes to Judah, with a small army and defeats a very big army. How many stories are there in the Bible where Israel came out with a small army and defeated a large army? They're usually on the recipient of that side. Now they're on the, the side where a small army beat them. Because they had forsaken God and gone in another direction. Joash didn't die in battle, but he was severely wounded. Probably would have survived. But people conspired against him. Has anybody ever conspired against you? Yeah, don't worry about it. What they conspired will be brought upon them by others. They just open the door for it. You don't have to mess with it. Don't, don't do it yourself. Well, the word there to come about, um, and it came to pass, and the, and the King James puts it, so it happened here in the New King James. 
The word that this, this comes from, I put it in your outline there for you if you want to go look it up. It means to become, occur, or come to pass. And it's used in a lot of different places in the Bible. But I wanted to focus your attention here on one. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, And in the process of time, it came to pass. Same phrase from the same word. That Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And it came to pass, Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground. Was he supposed to bring fruit? How does something like that come to pass? Did it just happen? Oh, I don't know what happened. I thought I put a sheep in the in the bag and it's fruit. Man, I don't know how that, that how does it happen that you bring the wrong stuff? You decided I'm not going to bring what God said. I'm going to bring what I want. And he didn't get the results that he wanted. One more verse, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, same phrase, when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. How did that come to pass? Did something just come upon Cain and he was out of control? And just, I don't, I don't know what happened. We were out here in the field, we were talking, we are having a good time, and all of a sudden he's dead. Now what happened? He began to contemplate. He began to meditate on this thing he began to think on this there's a root to it there's a cause to the thing and this this comes about well the same thing when the syria army came there was a cause to it it wasn't just that syria wanted something from from uh, judah there was a cause and the cause resided in judah i meditated on some something else some time ago and this came to me on, a, on another matter, and I'll, I'll give it to you here first. But what reveals is seldom the cause, but often gets the blame. What reveals is seldom the cause, but often gets the blame. Now, you have all kinds of applications for this, but how many have ever had a pain in your body when you suddenly start doing some certain thing? reaching for this thing, walking in this way, lifting a certain thing, whatever it was, all of a sudden, when you have done that, it is revealing that there's a problem in your body. Too often, we think the thing we're doing is the cause, and it gets the blame. We reach up, we lift, we walk, we run, we whatever it is that we're doing, we did that, and all of a sudden, it hurt. And we think, I guess I ought to just not do that anymore. But really, that's not the case, is it? All that that did was reveal a problem. Think of it this way. If you got a house, I know this was in a movie somewhere, or one of the commercials I did for a movie or a show or something like that. I just remember this, this scene from it. But there was a, um, a group of people in a living room situation in the house, and they saw this bubble begin to grow. And so they, uh, they, they saw the bubble begin to grow in the, in the ceiling above them. And so they poked the bubble and water came out and then the floor crashed and, 
and uh, stuff that was up there came down. And uh, I mean, if they just hadn't poked the bubble, right? That's really what started all the thing, just poking. No, the problem was there, right? It, it was there. We, a lot of times, are blaming a lot of things on what reveals the problem instead of getting to the cause of it. And we don't want to do that. You gotta, remember, we're talking in this series, you've got to find out what is to blame. That's the whole idea of confession. Finding out who is to blame and what you did so that you can correct it. Blaming the wrong thing does not help you fix the situation. You've got to make sure that the blame is applied to the right area. You know, and some of you, you folks, you just this is one of the areas where, where I was learning this, this from. Is, uh, I've shared with you some of the saga of getting back in and running and doing some things with that. And uh, my, my knee's been giving me trouble. Well, I knew from the beginning it's not a knee problem. And I knew what it was. And, you know, it started in the hip and it worked its way on down to the muscles and it keeps affecting the, the knee. I have extremely healthy knees. I do. My knees are in great shape. They are in fantastic shape. This one's not a problem for the knee. And so, uh, you know, we listen to things, you're doing things, and, and uh, uh, you try and, and, and overcome it. And, and sometimes God would show me, you know, all right, roll it this way, stretch it this way, and I'd begin to do that. And I uh, got some relief. And you have to listen. God's going to tell you some things. He's going to say, you know, do this and do that. Sometimes he would say, stretch this area or roll this area in your leg. And I'd roll that area in the leg, and I'd feel it exactly in the spot where the knee was. Oh, wow, look at that. This thing that's about uh, 18 inches, 12 inches away from, from the knee, as soon as I roll it, I feel it right there. That's exactly the thing that I'm feeling all the time. You see, the running wasn't causing it. It was exposing it. And so I began to, to do some things to work on that. And every once in a while, things would change. Well, one time, something changed, and uh, the original problem wasn't actually a knee. It was a hip. And I told people about this. It's always it's in the hip. Well, I was out running, and the knee was getting better, Feeling better and feeling better all the time. I'm going out there and running. And all of a sudden, the hip hurt. Like, oh, man, it hurt. It hurt so bad, I actually had to stop and walk from part of it. It was really hurting. And so um, it was in a different spot. And I said, so I just, I said to myself, I didn't get this from God. I just kind of said, well, I guess I ought to just try and roll on that outside of it. And I rolled on that outside of the part of the hip. And initially, it helped. It actually uh, felt better the next day. I was out there running. I was doing okay. And so when two or three days later it got worse, I didn't associate it with how I was, how I changed the, uh, what I was doing. And so I was out there running and it hurt. Oh, it hurt. I had to stop and walk again for a little bit. And so I began to, you know, what do I got to do about this thing? And it just came up on the inside of me. Don't roll the outside. Oh, all right. So the next day I didn't roll a thing. And I just went out there on the run and it, everything seemed to do pretty good and the, the hip was doing better. And so then I said, all right, let's go back and let's go, go back and roll the way I was rolling it before. And I went back and did that. Had a perfect time with the, the thing. Haven't had a problem with the hip since then. I haven't felt, felt that uh, problem with the hip since then. Then you've got to listen. You see, the thing that's exposing the problem is not the cause. Most times, the thing that exposes the problem is not the cause. If, you ever, if you're at work and there's a problem at work and an employee brings it to your attention, is the employee the problem? How many have ever worked at places that they think the way to solve this is to fire the employee? Hey, is that going to take, any, take care of it? No. What exposes the problem, what reveals the problem, is seldom the cause, but often gets the blame. 
what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your spiritual walk, what's going on in your blessing, what's going on there, when something brings about or reveals a problem that you have in that, seldom is the thing that is revealing the problem the problem. But it's going to get the blame and you're going to try and eliminate that. Don't do it. Sit back and listen to God. Just because something, how many of y'all know this? Just because something gives you pain does not mean you need to stop. I know a whole lot of people who, who, who haven't quite bought into that, that, uh, that thing. I'll give it to you this way. How many of you folks have ever been tired? And you thought, oh, I'm really tired. And you thought, oh, I'll get some extra sleep. And you got some extra sleep and you were still really tired. Extra sleep wasn't it, was it? It, it didn't help you. But not you folks here, I'm sure, but other people in other states that you may have friends of, they may say some things like, well, I feel really tired. I'm just going to stop doing these things. And they stop doing some of the things that were helping them. Maybe they're, I'm not going to go to work today. I'm tired. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to go over and, and uh, fellowship with so-and-so today. I'm going to stay home. And pretty soon they, they, they stop doing these things. Is it, is it helping them? No. And then what happened? I mean, I, I've talked with people. And they feel, oh, I'm still tired. I guess I ought to cut something else out. And they begin to cut some other things out. And I'm still tired. And pretty soon they aren't doing anything. Little by little, things got whittled away. You ever talked with people like that? I've, I've seen people like that all, all the time. You know what the best thing to do is when you're tired? Do something. Get yourself going. Get yourself moving along. Just being tired, you're not going to overcome it by doing nothing. You've got to get out there and you've got to do something. Get yourself moving. Get yourself doing a thing. Uh, and it could be anything. It could be something you'd like to do. It could be something else that you'd like to do. You know, one of the things that makes me tired is driving. I don't know if it makes you tired. It makes me tired. I don't like to drive long periods of time, but I'll do it. You know, you have to. I know on, on Thursday, I had to drive uh, about two and a half hours to the first stop. I got to, got that one done, and I had two hours to go to the next stop. And going there, I felt tired. Oh, I felt tired. Because I was up at 3 o'clock and 3, 3.30 in the morning, something like that, loading the truck, getting ready to go. And I was tired. And I was driving there, and I was on a time crunch. So I'm driving there, and I'm tired. You know what you want to do when you're tired? I wanted to pull over and stop and just rest for a while. I didn't have time. I'm, i got to get going. I, I'm telling myself this. If I get to that next stop and I start hauling all that stuff in, I won't be tired anymore. I knew it. So I got to that next stop and got all that stuff in, and I wasn't tired anymore. And I got back in the, the truck and took off and did a whole lot better on that one. Sometimes when you are feeling a pain, when you're feeling your body telling you something, you ought to know, don't give in. You need to stand up and, and, and fight the thing. Just because you are seeing a problem revealed doesn't mean that the cause is going to hit you square in the face or what the blame or the cure. If you are seeing, seeing something in your body, go to God. God, what should I do? How should I approach this? What should I do to, to, to overcome this? Ask him. He'll tell you. The Word of God says, if any man last ask wisdom, Ask, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men just a little bit so they can get by. Liberally. He gives to you liberally. But if you don't ask, you don't get. 
You've got to ask. You've got you to get out there and say, Father God, what is it that I need to do? How is it that I need to, to overcome this? I heard one person uh, I enjoy listening to, they were talking about it, and they related the Holy Spirit to uh, a person in the room and uh, say that, uh, that uh, Vanessa represents the Holy Spirit. And Vanessa has the answer that I need. And I come into the room, and Vanessa's sitting right there. I know Vanessa. I know I could ask Vanessa, and she would, she'd ask me. But I come over here, and I ask Matt. Matt, what would you do here? And Matt tells me what he would do. And, uh, okay, that's, that's something I guess I could try. But I'm, I'm not asking the Holy Spirit yet, am I? What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Holy Spirit going to shout at me? Steve, do this. What's the Holy Spirit waiting for? wants me to ask. Ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, what should I do here? And that's what we got to do. I come over here to Chelsea. Say, Chelsea, what do you think? I, I, I can go all around the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit could hear me asking all these other people, what's the Holy Spirit ask, waiting for? Ask me. The Word of God calls the Holy Spirit our what? Helper. If you want help on a thing, what do you need to do? Ask. If you need help and you have a helper, you need to Ask the helper. If you don't ask the helper, helper can't jump in. Holy Spirit's our helper, folks. Ask him. You need to go to him and say, Father God, I need wisdom on this. Holy Spirit, how should I do this? You're here to help me. How do I do this thing? Ask the Father for wisdom. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to deliver it for you. So we put that in your outline. What reveals is seldom the cause, but often gets to blame. To focus on the wrong cause will apply our energy towards something that will never bring a resolution. To focus on the wrong cause will apply our energy towards something that will never bring a resolution. Isn't that just like the enemy? Get you to focus all your energy in a direction that will never bring an end. Never bring help. That's the, that's the role of the enemy. He's going to try and get you to spin your wheels, going to try and get you to go in the wrong direction. Listen to the Spirit. Now, I've never been through rehab. How many people here have ever been through rehab? Different ones. I've heard different people have gone through rehab. And if you go through a rehab session, you have a person who is doing the rehab, and then you have you. That person who's doing the rehab can do all the things that you want to do, but they're helping you to get back to be able to do it, whether it's something with your legs, a joint, arm, whatever it might be. You, have, you are in rehab, and they put you through a series of exercises, right? And when you're doing those exercises, how many of them felt good? When you were doing those rehab, how many of you said, oh, can I do another set? Man, that just, <clears throat> that just relaxed me so much. I felt so good afterwards. No, what's rehab do? It hurts, right? There's pain that's involved. When you do the motion that they're telling you to do, it hurts. But the rehab person said, it's okay. It's all right. It's, it's going to hurt. It's expected. It's supposed to hurt like that. Just keep on going. And they're assuring you, you are not going to hurt yourself as you keep doing the rehab. But you are going to help yourself. But it hurts. And the more that you go at it and let that, that hurt go on, the sooner you get over it. There are some people that as soon as they hit that bit of, little bit of pain, they stop. Is their rehab going to be short? No, it's going to take long. So we know this in the area of rehab, 
But why is it we don't apply this over to other things? Just because you are doing a thing and it hurts doesn't mean you should stop. Doesn't mean you should keep going either. You want to find out, Holy Spirit, is this a good thing to do? Should I do this? Should I go in this direction? You got to get his his, uh, input on this thing. Because you can do some things that will hurt you. Well, amen. You can do some things that will hurt you. You can move your... You may be moving that joint in a direction, but it's the wrong direction. And you are hurting yourself. Just because you feel pain does not mean that you're going to have gain. You've got to have the right kind of pain. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Should I continue to do this? Should I continue to go? What's, what's going to go on with it? And then you're going to have people around, you know, oh, that's okay. You, you worked really hard. You should stop. How many of you ever have one of those rehab people and uh, they said, oh, you, you look like you're in pain. Do you want to stop? Should we call it quits for the day? How many of you ever have one of those rehab persons who says, you've got to keep going. We need three more of those. They keep pushing you. It hurts. And what do they say? Keep going. I want more out of you. Some of them just get downright nasty. I mean, come on, you can do it. Get going. Push it through. Push it through. They're helping you. They're there to help you. But too often, the enemy comes along and says, Oh, don't push yourself so hard. Back off a little bit. Take it easy. You don't need to press in and read the Bible. You don't need to press in and spend all this time in prayer or getting around other Christians. You don't need to be keep hearing the Word, listening to podcasts. Going to church. You don't need to do all that. Just take it easy. You're wearing yourself out. You'll never last for God. God wants you to have a long time on this earth doing lots of things for Him. Don't burn yourself out. You know, take it easy. Back off a little bit. I mean, look at the people over there. They're, kind of, they're being kind of nasty to you. Why do you want to serve people who want to be nasty to you? Just back off. Don't, don't, don't keep pushing. Isn't that what the enemy says? He's trying to get you to back off. Why? Because he knows if you keep pressing in, you are going to overcome. And we don't want you to overcome. We want you to be hindered. We want you to be held back. God doesn't want you held back. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to win. Think of it as rehab. We are overcoming something in our body. Father God, what is it that I need to do? And he will help you. He will be your rehab specialist. He will tell you what exercises to do. He will tell you how to go about it. And he will tell you when you've done it enough. You can keep on going. But we've got to get to that place, folks, where we're ready to find out what the cause is and apply our energies to taking care of the cause. Just because something revealed itself reveals the problem that we have does not mean that it's the problem. It just means it revealed it. These priests, or these uh, prophets came along and they told Joash, this is the problem. They generally took it out on them. They weren't the problem. Joash was the problem. He left the Word of God. The thing, you, we ought to go over this story. You ought to just do it on your own every once in a while. Just come on back over here to First Chronicles, or Second Chronicles 24 or go over to Second Kings and find the company story and spend some time reading it. Because understand this, you can do this just as people have done it to you. You can forget. 
the good that God has done. You can forget the good that people have helped you with. And just as much as he was able to turn his back on the man who helped him and kill his son, you can do the same thing. There are people all around you right now who are like the leaders of the Jews who simply want to speak into your life and get you to leave the things that are going to help you. Proverbs 4. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those who find them and health to all their flesh. The enemy comes along to pull you from the Word of God. To pull you out. To get you from away from the sharpener so that he can get you to be dull. It'll take time, but he's got patience. He has patience. He will wait to wear you down. Don't let him do it. Stay with the things that God has told you to do. Stay with the things that he has shown you. This is what's important. This is where we need to go in life. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the word of God that is given to us to point out when we need correction and we need help. It edifies us. It builds us up. But we must stay in it. We must come to a knowledge of the truth. Word of God says that some are always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. We don't want to be those kind of folks. We want to be people who have the truth because it is the truth that sets us free. It is not what we believe that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free. And we need to believe that truth. So, Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here on this earth to guide us into all truth. He is the revealer of truth. And we are ready to listen, to ask for help, that we can overcome. The story of Joash shows us how far we can fall, what our human nature is capable of. But we stay renewed on your word, we won't fall. We thank you for the help that you give us in these things. You are our rehab specialist to get ourselves back in the flow of the Spirit, back in the flow of the things of God. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go this morning, we have some praise reports to be uh, heard. If you didn't get your praise report in, raise your hand up. Uh, we'll get you one of the um, forms that we have, little pieces of paper, and that you can write down what God did for you this week, what God has blessed you with, no matter how small. doesn't have to be a great big one. It can be small ones. We like those as well. God is always at work for us. The day that we're living in is the time that we need knowledge of truth more than ever. Amen. There's so many things out there that are being taught as truth. And if you don't know the word, I mean, really know the word, you can be swept away. And that's what's, you know, prophesied about in the word of God, about the falling away, how even the elect can be deceived. And we don't want to be deceived. We want to know the truth. So um, that's why we need to sharpen each other and uh, not be not be too... Um, 
shy about, I don't, want, I don't like the word confronting, but confronting things that, that come up in people's lives. And, uh, you know, the, I often go back to Genesis and how the, the devil in the beginning there, he spoke truth to Adam and Eve. He spoke truth, but he just had a little tiny twinge of deceit, deception, and um, uh, we have to be on guard about that. But praise reports. Mandy has one. I'm so excited about this. Lamar comes home in just over a week. Woohoo! Excited about that. Praise God. Um, you're traveling to see him on Wednesday to see him graduate. So that's in Texas. Are you flying with the kids? Okay, so we're going to be praying that she has a good flight mm-hmm. with the children in the airport. Um, he's finishing boot camp, so he will be done. And uh, super excited, but it's their first time flying, so we have to pray for them, <laughs> especially little Max. Um, Susan has a praise report. She got a kitchen set from a moving sale. She paid $25 for it. I love when God does this kind of stuff. Um, When she came home, there was a letter saying that she had overpaid the state for $25, so she got her kitchen set for free. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Um, Vanessa says, I'm praising God that a fire did not happen in my mom's house. Uh, She forgot a pot that she left on the stove, and the smoke alarm alerted her before something could happen. Mm. Praise God. Um, this is an update from Ethel's father's um, operation. She, he had had a problem with the circulation in his leg. He said he came through the surgery um, to improve his circulation, and they were able to hear the blood flowing in his leg, so all went well. Praise God. Um, Sharon said, God gave me wisdom. Uh, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> God gave me wisdom to reunite a little boy. She found him in the Ross parking lot to his mom, um, who was in Ross. She said, I was not even supposed to be there at that time, but God knew why. So praise God for that. Um, And I have a quick update. I got to sell my car this week. Praise the Lord. So we got to use all that money to help pay off some debts. 